Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. Show me the one safety deemed such destruction. You must reunite it with its own kind. Where? This you must determine. The songs of eons past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. You expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. Welcome to The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mike D'Angelo and Brian Farber. How are you guys so good. How about you, Brian? Very, very well. I appreciate you asking, my friend. Great. So uh, this week we're going to be talking about Star Wars, and more specifically, we're going to be talking about The Mandalorian. And to help us talk about the wars, as the kids say, we're going to be joined by our resident Star Wars expert, playlist editor-in-chief and founder, Rodrigo Perez. How are you doing, Rodrigo? Good, but you can't out me like that. You can just say, <laughs> you have to stay like, you know. I'm the Star Wars expert. Come on. Jeez. <laughs> Let's be real. Pull back the curtain a little bit. Rodrigo is a Star Wars fan. He may not like it all, but he can tell you specific characters from Rebels and Clone Wars and all that stuff, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm I, like almost embarrassed at this point. But yeah, I guess <laughs> I'm a pretty big Star Wars fan. Although, like, I mean, it's it's a very it's it's these days it's a pretty love hate thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, and maybe that, has been for kind of a long time, actually. Yeah, and that's what we're going to get into today, the, the love-hate of Star Wars. Um, so uh, just to set the stage, as of this recording, we're halfway through season two of The Mandalorian. Um, so now it feels like an appropriate time to dive a bit deeper into the Disney Plus series. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Did you get my Western pun? Oh. No. <laughs> and uh, this is obviously Lucasfilm's first foray into streaming TV. So there's a lot riding on this show. Um, but before we get to that, I want to tell you that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Discourse, Be Real, The Fourth Wall, and more. And as always, if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. So before we get into the discussion, if you haven't been watching The Mandalorian, uh, we will be spoiling a little bit. So, so just an FYI. But also, here's a quick rundown of what the show's about. The Mandalorian tells the story of a lone gunfighter character who is part of an ancient group of warriors dubbed Mandalorians. They're basically the biggest badasses in the galaxy. In the first season, we're introduced to Mando, as he's called, who's given the task of hunting down an asset and delivering it to some shady people uh, like Warner Herzog. It's revealed that the asset is actually a child called The Child, a.k.a. Baby Yoda, who's an adorable creature that Mando doesn't want to see harmed. Uh, long story short, the show follows Mando as he goes on adventures with Baby Yoda and tries to find a safe place for the child. Um, the show's created by Jon Favreau. It's got a long list of good directors, including Deborah Chow, Taika Waititi, Rick Famuyiwa, Bryce Dallas Howard, and more. There's also Dave Filoni who's involved, who uh, Rodrigo can tell us more about. He's basically the Star Wars animated guy. 
but the scripts are mainly credited to Favreau, so he's he's definitely running things. Uh, the first season got a ton of Emmy love. Uh, it was even nominated for Best Drama Series, so critics actually love it, and fans seem to be pretty jazzed about it as well. Today we're going to talk about whether or not all that love is warranted. Um, let's start with our overall impressions of The Mandalorian's first season and why we're excited or not excited coming into season two. So, Rodrigo, how about you start us off? Were you impressed by season one? Mm, a little bit, um, sort of not really. I mean, it's. I mean, here's the thing. It's a. It's kind of undeniably entertaining for the most part, but it's sort of just it. It's a. Uh, it just kind of getting to diminishing returns as it keeps going because, I mean, as as I I I like to describe the show as as bonanza, bonanza in space. So like bonanza was like, I, as far as I recall, I can't remember the bonanza for a long time, but it was a western from I believe the sixties. I think I watched it as a kid here and there and reruns, but it was so, so like you know like you know there's a town and and it's a whatever some you know a western town and, and different people come into town each week and kind of mess with the sheriffs and stuff like that and so it's like a different guest star each week which is kind of like i mean think about like once upon a time in hollywood that was the formula of a lot of old school television right it's like you had you had the um uh whatever it is show and then you'd have like the guest star like in once upon a time in hollywood leo dicaprio plays a guest star and he plays a bad guy but he comes on and remember that's a big thing it's like do i want to get into that it's like a it's a whole like tier of like not very good casting to get into and so so it's kind of reverse bonanza where bonanza would be the town and uh, new villains would come into town every week this is the kind of reverse it's like him on the horse who rides around and and goes to a different town or a different planet with a new guest star each week which is i suppose you know people will say well that's from like you know a lot of the um the samurai the films where like you know the, the samurai's wandering around and uh you know meets these people or gets into this adventures or whatever and yeah that's true as well but like it just reminds me in bonanza into the because it's just super episodic like nothing happens there's no plot there's very little story and you know we can get into that but there's a big difference between story and plot and like it just it's kind of like someone called it on, on on twitter like star wars porn you just like it's cool to see all these star wars things that you might not normally see and people get excited by seeing nooks and crannies of Star Wars that we haven't really seen before. But at the end of the day, it just, when it all starts to take shape, it's like, yeah, we have seen this before. It's like, okay, a little bit of like a Star Wars, Star Wars Western sort of lone samurai thing at first. Okay, that's different. Haven't seen that before. But as it goes on and on, and, you know, we're now into about halfway as season two, it's like really in its formula. It's really bonanza. Like, okay, here's the, we go to this planet and then these guest stars. And I remember these guys that we saw in episode two. Now they're back on episode eight. And, you know, da 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 da. And it's like the thing about The Mandalorian, it's built on a, an incredible premise, I think. Um, and, and, and it's similar to, um, you know, we've seen this kind of trope before. But think about it, you know, especially in the very first mo moments of when you, first saw that show and you didn't know anything about it and you didn't know what it was going to be like it's like okay this is like a really ruthless bounty hunter guy and he lives by a code and he kills and he doesn't give a fuck and you know you might be begging for your mercy or whatever but he doesn't care he's like he's a cold ruthless motherfucker because that's what they all are they're bounty hunters this is the, what they do for a living and so in that first episode it really feels like wow like you know this is this is kind of hardcore it feels dark you know some of the things that happens like you know this, these aren't heroes here these are kind of anti-heroes and then so we get the sort of build up the core of this character, this who he is. He's and, you know, these these bounty hunters live by a code. And at the very end of the episode, you know, he's probably been, been doing this for most of his life or, or a good, good long chunk of it. 
he betrays his entire code. He he everything he stands for, everything who he is, everything he is, his person, his identity, he breaks all of a sudden because there's because we find humanity in him. Why? Because a child's life is at stake. And all of a sudden, in a brief split second decision, which is what great movies and great characters are before or happen, you know, something happens that triggers in him and he just cannot let that it, it you know it, it can't happen it just it, it, he can't let it stand so he kills this bounty hunter um the ig ig 11 character whatever and there's massive ramifications to come and it's like he's found his humanity and like you know that even if like you know nothing's changed yet it's just like it's like a really to me it's like it was such a great premise and it's the first especially that episode ends and he reaches to the child in the shadow and it's like this it's this real big kind of mythic kind of star wars thing and i was like wow that's really fucking cool and then they've done absolutely nothing with that and <laughs> it's not about any of that and that's what i mean about story and plot like story is like what a mo- what a show or a movie is about like what it's really about right and for me like they set up this thing that like it's about Someone who who has no moral code or or has or lives by a ruthless code of of money and and rules of these bounty hunters breaks his code and betrays it for a child. So he will awaken some sort of humanity in that. And where does that take him? Like what what will that do to this to this person? And the show is completely disinterested in that. So it's about nothing. And so I need. I, uh, I when I watch anything, I need something like here's what it's about, the plot that's about this thing. But what's it really about? I need both. And this show feels like it doesn't have either. Yeah, there you have it. That is a pretty big dressing down of the show. And I don't think it's completely unwarranted. But that was the reason why we have you here, Rodrigo, is because you agree with me. But I think we have two guys that might not. So, Brian, what were your thoughts on uh, Mando season one? I well. I guess <laughs> he's changing I, his mind. He's changing well, it. Because really, Rodrigo, you you really hit the nail on the head in in so many ways. The thing about season one is that I remember being incredibly excited. Yeah, you know, when Disney Plus launched, I remember just this this is going to be great. I I know, I know what I'm going to be doing here as soon as the streaming service is off the ground. And I remember watching the first few episodes, and then I didn't watch the rest for. A very, very long time. Um, I just had no real interest because it really fell into that that formula pretty darn quick. That being said, a lot of the episodes are pretty exciting. They are very episodic. They are very self-contained. Yes, they do have, you know, the he goes to this planet, meets somebody, they have a mission for him, he does the mission, you know, that whole thing. But the missions that he does are always very very cool some supporting characters are better than others and when i say better i mean some of them are absolutely outstanding i mean i know where you asked me about the first season but the second season i think tim oliphant was outstanding and um there's others that i'm forgetting as well but you're you're right rodrigo the circling back to other characters other side characters again a few episodes down the line you know the, the show is very very good at falling back, you know, into its old habits. Just when you feel like maybe it's going somewhere, you know, it's not going to, you know, that the next episode is just going to be about him going somewhere else and embarking on some little side quest. And I was just thinking this afternoon, like, well, how, how is this going to end eventually? How, how long, how many seasons is this going to be of him just roaming around the galaxy, yeah. just doing, doing stuff? Um, I, I just, 
I, I, I definitely need more. Season one, when I finally did go back and finish it, yeah, there were some of those final episodes were just great, but I could already tell yeah, if this is how season two is going to be, I don't, I'll keep watching it, but I'm not going to be as jazzed as I was before I fired up the very first episode. So do I enjoy it? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's fun, but, and I will say that it, it just, it's, it's so far removed from the Skywalker saga in terms of tone and, and that Bonanza in space comparison is really right on. I really like the vibe of the show and the tone and atmosphere is great, right? Yeah, it's it's awesome. It it this I have to remind myself sometimes that it is Star Wars, and I'm not just exaggerating. There are moments where it's like, wow, what this is a classic western, and then suddenly somebody will show up, or I'll see a stormtrooper, or you'll hear the you know someone firing some weapon, and oh yeah, that's right, that's where we are. Or that Wilhelm scream. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> and so, so I really do dig that overall. And I think just after being so disappointed by Rise of Skywalker, I was ready for something different. And this, in that sense, I guess I will say that even if this show ends up being its own little, you know, Star Trek style adventure every single episode from here on out, I'll still take that over a lot of the core Skywalker saga films. Cause a lot of those films, I just, <laughs> I just flat out don't care for like the last one. So Fair season enough. one definitely had its moments. Season two kind of in the same boat. I'm curious to see where this is going. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Mike, they need Hi. some love. Come in here and <laughs> yeah. tell us how much you love Mandalorian. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to let you guys come in here and drop a bunch of Bantha crap. No, Mandalorian. you know, get you right in the, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm done with my uh, Star Wars slang. But uh, Mandalorian. Okay, so uh, in my opinion, uh, you're all right in a way, but a lot of the things that make you dislike it is are things that make me you know, love it and like it even more. So, yes, it's a vehicle uh, that kind of allows us to uh, see a new adventure within the Star Wars universe. And it's uh, – like you said, it's it's so far removed – uh, Brian from the Skywalker mythos, yeah. and that's something that I, you know, I'm so fucking glad that they did that because the whole like Joseph Campbell hero's journey. If I get one more Star Wars episode with that, I'm just gonna tear my freaking ears off. And <laughs> uh, so to see that there's no dyads, there's no like crazy weird stuff going on that I really don't care for. It it just it doesn't need to be that. And it doesn't need to be like modern serialized storytelling there. They have plenty of Star Wars shows that are going to be that, I'm sure. Um, but I like that they went old school with it. I like that it's an epi- it's episodic in nature. You know, it has gunslinger archetype, you know, lead to the story. And he allows us to kind of venture into all these unexplored nooks and crannies. Uh, that we may have heard of, you know, with one line spoken in the original trilogy or, you know, it adds color to the places we've seen. And and yes, admittedly, this it's like a nostalgia bomb and there's it's like tone poems dedicated to, you know, past movies and stuff like that or past moments in movies. But it, it kind of gives us that feeling that the original trilogy gives us at times. So. It, it, the tone and everything uh, is just spot on for me. I love like being in the Mandalorian episode. Um, 
and it, it's exploring it through new eyes finally instead of like a skywalker or someone who chooses to be a skywalker for no fucking reason it's you know old school epi- episodic television and the you know the overarching b story moves a lot slower it's a long and winding road to where we're going but how much you enjoy the Mandalorian seems to be kind of dependent on how much you enjoy the stops and the winding roads and how much you're willing to roll with a character that is largely a rehash of like a tight lipped gunslinger samurai type from from films of old that that kind of influenced Lucas as he was creating the original trilogy. But I, I really love it. I like the relationship between Mando and the child. I love the humanizing of, of Mando. Uh, why they call him Mando when there's so many Mandalorians? I don't know. I can't answer that. But that's not Star Wars, you know. <laughs> Star Wars isn't logic. <laughs> We're not going to Star Wars for award-winning storytelling. It's a lot of it is is rehashing of old archetypes. So that's not stuff that that uh, that I'm really concerned with. It's big budget fantasy sci-fi on a TV scale that we can watch together and enjoy. And and these days, like the the large budget you know sci-fi story like what else is doing that right now stranger things is the closest thing to it and even that it's there's like a very hard age cutoff that you don't want certain kids watching that stuff but really a whole family can enjoy this so yes it's itching that nostalgia bone for mom and dad or if if it's their thing and then you know you're going on all these new adventures for new generations and uh, of course, there's Baby Yoda, who is admittedly one note, but that note is fucking adorable. Sorry for all the swears. Um, but it, <laughs> he, he's able to—it's—it's it's able to be like nostalgic and new at the same time. And I just love being in, you know, the the kind of aura that this show creates. I love the little adventures. I love. I was talking to to Charles about the Bryce Dallas Howard episodes uh, in the little farm town and and the the newest one she did this season. Those are probably my two favorite episodes, or the ones that she directed. But uh, as far as the story, I mean, it, it's nothing new. It's Lone Wolf and Cub meets, you know, all these different westerns that influenced Lucas, and you know, a little bit of Indiana Jones, a little bit of everything along the way, and and then you have Mandalorian. So yeah, it's nothing original, but it is kind of new in that it's in the Star Wars universe, and everybody loves the Star Wars universe, so that's why it's such a hit. Uh, that and Baby Yoda's freaking adorable so i am i'm all for it i'm really enjoying the episodic nature of it i I, some episodes are obviously more solid than others peyton reed sucks uh but uh outside of that (laughs) you know some shit yeah (laughs) it's uh it's a good time for me okay so i'm not gonna to go into to season one thoughts specifically i'm gonna use this as a transition into season two because my thoughts about the show are kind of the same between both seasons. And I I think we are both kind of, or all of us were teasing this because unfortunately season one, uh, like Rodrigo said, started really strong. I believe this idea of the, the lone gunman saves a child, even though it's a, a premise we've seen a million different times. I think that seeing it in star Wars is new because there wasn't a Jedi. There wasn't a lightsaber. Uh, you know, there was no, there was no dyad as, as Mike was saying, this is something (laughs) new, you know, and, and it felt new. And then to see it stall out uh, was was heartbreaking. And and not only did it stall out, it felt like it purposefully stalled out. We got to keep in mind, this is a show that runs eight episodes a season. And normally in TV terms, when you run eight ep- episodes a season, and these shows are all less than an hour, uh, these episodes are, 
that means that you're you're cramming like seemingly cramming a lot into a little you know we've seen that with uh the last season of game of thrones is like six episodes and and that thing moved like lightning quick and to see a show better for it no 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 but i'm just saying (laughs) there was so much story and so much plot in those six episodes that it when you watch the mandalorian it's almost as if john favreau and and lucasfilm they had maybe three hours worth of story in that first season and just were like okay well how can we pad this out well let's just do this bonanza thing right let's have them go to different cities and we'll introduce these b characters some of them will be hits some of them won't but you know they're only in an episode anyway and the biggest offender in the first season, I think, is that Bryce Dallas Howard episode we were talking about, Mike. The Bite sanctuary. your tongue. I know. In that episode, it is just like, okay, Mando and the kid are on this backwoods sort of town. They have a raider problem. Mando goes and he saves the, the town from the raiders, teaches them how to defend themselves. It's a, a premise that in a show that we've already, you know, know the premise of and, and we've seen it in Westerns and, and Samurai movies, movies, as we said, this one episode was another trope filled episode of other things. You know, it had like a training montage and stuff. And and I, I will admit, I like almost fell asleep during that episode. And that's not the only time it, during my uh, watching of the show that I've I've started to doze off. So moving into season two, I had, I had low hopes. And unfortunately, uh, season two. I think starts with two episodes that are, are pretty terrible. Um, Timothy Oliphant's great, but guess what? He's playing a, a Western Marshall guy. We've seen it like a million different times. So if you've <laughs> you seen called Timothy, Timothy Olyphant, Olyphant for that, I know, I know it just, it felt like <laughs> the, the most obvious casting ever. So we see that in the first episode. Uh, he's teased as Boba Fett, right? Cause he's wearing Boba Fett's armor. And then, you know, that whole mystery is is thrown out the window after 20 seconds when he takes off the mask. So, you know, it, it just it feels completely silly <laughs> that that whole like side plot of him trying of Mando trying to save a town from a sandworm. And and, uh, you know, that's a forgettable episode. The second episode, Peyton Reed. Oh, Lord. The Frog Lady episode was terrible. And then, you know, episodes three and four, you start to get a semblance of a story. But, but overall, I'm not seeing any story. So. With that in mind, I think it's time that we talk about season two because I think season two is the best and the worst of The Mandalorian, right? There's some high points, some really good B characters that I think, you know, get people excited. But then there's just all those same like treading water moments where you're like, what are we doing here? I know, Rodrigo, you said that there's no story here. There's a bunch of plot, but there's really no story. Even after the first four episodes of season two, do you still feel that there's really no story? For sure. Oh, for sure. Like, uh, there's none yet has merged. I mean, maybe, maybe that the something coming down the road. Maybe that him meeting with. The, I mean, I yeah. There's some. They're hinting at some kind of stuff that which I suppose can resemble story, like who he is and 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 who he is as a person and as a Mandalorian and and as he's as we you know witnessed and I think it was episode three or four, whichever one it was of the second season where um, he met other Mandalorians. I thought that episode was really bad. Oh wow. Uh, Man, crapping on my favorite episodes. Yeah. So <laughs> and 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 look, I you know I know Bo-Katan from Clone Wars. It's like all these cameos that like you know we I will get into it I suppose. But like you know, season two has been teased as having a lot of 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 uh, cameos from the animated shows, and I and I'm uh, uh, I know the animated shows very well. Um, I caught up with them pretty pretty late out after the fact. 
But anyhow, so, you know, on, on the surface, it's kind of like, oh, it's exciting. I get to see these characters in live action for the first time. That's really cool. But then it plays out and it's like, oh, it's like, you know, maybe that's sort of I I mean, here, I'll just say it because I think that like, you know, the fact that he met other Mandalorians to take off his mask and there was that whole thing there. I think they're moving towards uh, a way for him to take off his mask so he can actually emote for once. And actually, that's <laughs> when we're going to get into the humanity because he can't. And and he can't emote and he can't share anything. And there's real um, that's a real problem for the show. So um, just to jump on to that real quick, because I wrote in my notes as I was watching the second season, especially, but but definitely through the first, the fact he doesn't take off his helmet and, and they give you plenty of reasons why. And it is brought up dozens of times like, oh, yeah. you don't take off your helmet, not yeah. even to eat. Who's seen you? Blah, blah, blah. It, what it does is it feels like a video game. If you ever play like an RPG video game or, or an action video game, the main character is always kind of this blank slate. So you can like, you know, put your own ideals and stuff onto this character, right? Like it's normally the most boring character. And Mandalorian, Mando in The Mandalorian, Din Djarin, whatever his name is, is the most boring character yeah, because you can't sure. see his face. You can't his his line delivery. Pedro Pascal plays him. Who Pedro Pascal is a great actor. Uh, he's done so many good things. Uh, Game of Thrones. He stole that season he was in briefly. You know, it, this is a guy who uh, has it in him to do really good, and and it feels like literally like he's phoning it in because of the voice modulation. He could be doing this via <laughs> cell phone, and I would not even I wouldn't even. <laughs> like consider that to be crazy like there's nothing behind those those uh those line reads there's no emotion there's like hey baby yoda don't do that i told you not to do that oh that is the way like that, that's <laughs> that i think actual john favreau dialogue <laughs> that is currently the way yeah and so i i agree with you rodrigo i just it, it frustrates me to no end that you cannot see his face and and i i do think that they're they're going towards that but i i do we'll get to uh predictions later but i definitely have predictions sure, as to, yeah, yeah. but i mean i guess it. just to finish my thought it, it just seems like this whole season like you know ahsoka tano from the Clone Wars and 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 Rebels is supposed to show up. She's probably going to show up in the next episode because it's directed by Dave Filoni, and he's he was the guy who who was basically uh, George Lucas's right hand man and all those stuff. So if anybody's going to uh, introduce Ahsoka Tano in live in live action, it's probably Dave Filoni. Um, he basically co-created that character with um, George Lucas. Um, she is uh, Darth Vader's Padawan, uh, uh, Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. Um, I don't know if you guys watch that show, it, the whole concept, a lot of the things before you hear, when you read about some of the shows and you go like, what, what the fuck? Like it sounds, they sound terrible. And, and, and admittedly, many of them aren't that good at first, but when they get, when they get going and they're good and they, and it's like, okay, this, this stuff is, uh, is well explained, but, but the, the whole thing just sort of feels now like it's, are we just, is this whole uh, entire season of like setting up things? Like now there's talk of a Boba Fett show, like because we've teased Boba Fett and like that he survived and like, okay, so then we got Bo-Katan and, you know, we can do something else there. Is that something setting up something else up? And like, are, are, is, is, there a, is there a show about Ahsoka Tano coming in her adventures, which could easily happen because given all the stuff that happens with her. And it's like, are, is our eyes on the prize here? Or are we just setting up spinoffs and more franchises, more night, more IP? What are we doing here? Like I, I'm getting frustrated and, I, and I, I'm finding it really transparent and really hollow. And everything that you said about like what makes it fun and entertaining and the atmosphere and mood, which I think 
when you guys were saying that, I completely agree, but also that stuff is just like completely worn off for me now. It's like it, and now I just see this sort of like hollow show with like people walking around in silly costumes. Like like the 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 mystique of it is really gone. So I'm just like, what are they doing here? You know, obviously the uh, uh, the Moff Gideon character with his stuff that ties into some of the Clone Wars uh, stuff too, and and Clone Wars other characters. And it, I get that Dave Filoni. You know, I guess to back up a slightly, and I'm trying to go on this tangent quickly, but you know, like when um, when Charles talked about this, he he talked about it as, as John John Favreau created it, and he did. But one of the first things he did when when he created it was bring Filoni on board because Filoni essentially created the Mandalorian lore on those animated shows with George Lucas, um, and Favreau actually appeared as a Mandalorian in a in a small uh, voiceover role. So it sort of made sense that if you're going to do a show about Mandalorians, you you would bring your biggest Star Wars expert along with you, Dave Filoni. And fine. I think that was a smart move. And then but then it's like and then, yes, I, I Dave Filoni I, he, I, kind of makes sense that he probably want to take some of these beloved animated characters and take them into live action. But the writing is just so clunky. It just feels like every episode is one introduction for you know, these guest stars. And there's like, you know, it's like fan service on a sort of more culty level or something. And God, I love all those characters and I love all that stuff. And on some levels, I want to see all those characters come on. But I'm just like, I am not enjoying this. Hey, you you mentioned Moff Gideon and, and the side characters and, and where is this all going? It reminds me of a quote that Giancarlo Esposito said uh, to people before season two. And we wrote about it on the site. And this quote, I think, really explains a lot. And, and I'm going to throw it to you, Brian, afterwards, because uh, this I want to know your reaction. He says, we're living in a universe that is huge and there's so much to explore. So I think this show is going to lay the groundwork for the depth and breadth that's going to come in seasons four and or seasons three and four when you're really going to start to get answers. So, Brian, are you willing to wait until season three to find out where this show is going? Well, I'm I mean, I'm too far in at this point that I can't <laughs> I can't I can't walk I can't away turn back now. Yeah, that's it is true. I mean, I just feel like. You know, the the eye on the prize comment is really right on the money. I, I worry that the show is going to fall into a lost style trap of of not having an ending in mind. Any showrunner who I hear says, yeah, we've got a couple of seasons planned out for this show and then we know how it's going to end. I'm always very curious to see, OK, are you going to make good on that promise? And when the ending finally does arrive, uh, how well is that going to satisfy me? And I just feel like with with this show, future seasons, you know, either we need to I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I'm I, yeah, I'll keep watching the show and I'll be curious. I guess not necessarily excited as I was at the beginning, but more <laughs> curious to see where this goes. I will definitely watch this till the bitter end, but they gotta do something at some point. It can't just be a show that's all about the tone and the the occasional really really good side character i mean they they definitely like you said they need to do so much more with with pedro pascal i mean really that's that is kind of a waste of talent there and i will admit that there are some lines he says that make me chuckle like when he and uh the child were working together to like fix that thing on his ship like that was kind of amusing um in one of the recent episodes but they they got to do more with him and yeah maybe when the helmet comes off then we'll see it but I think that'll help, question mark? I don't know. Um, I don't know. This is very rambly, but 
the show still does have potential. I will say there's there's a lot a lot more that can happen here. But yeah, Rodrigo, if this is just going to be a springboard for for spinoffs, then I don't know. Yeah, you know, I don't think ultimately it will be, but I think I think there's going to be a lot of this this season, and again, then and then it doesn't really get to what it's going to be about till season three or four or whatever. So it's going to be spinning its wheels a lot, you know? And then it, and yeah. probably what it is, is moving towards. And it seems kind of obvious is, is that like the whole, you know, the Mandalorian culture thing, which is what the, the other Mandos around, you know, him probably taking off the mask, realizing that the faction that he was part of is a cult. And then like, you know, this whole thing with the dark saber with that Moff Gideon guy, which also ties into Mandalorian lore and all that stuff comes from, the animated shows. So it seems with Filoni on board that that's probably where it's all heading, but I still don't know if that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I, yeah. <laughs> that's the problem is, is you see a dark saber at the end of season one and you're like, Oh, this is really neat. But, uh, what he's whipped it out zero times in season two. <laughs> I, I mean, I think he's only had one <laughs> scene in season two. So like, th- that's a problem, right? Like you, you tease something, you get me hooked. You say, okay, yeah, we were spinning our wheels in season one, but look at this. Holy crap. Dark sabers. Moff Gideon's like the new Darth Vader's is gonna be nuts, and then season right, one things mean though, right? Like really mean. Like yeah, okay, I get when I see the dark saber, I go, oh, that connects to Star Wars Rebels character was probably gonna show up at some point, and that connects to the lore and this and the tie these things together. But like, so, but what are you really like? Are you trying to say something about legacy? Like just give me a even a give, nourish me with a little bit of depth, something like like what are you gonna try to say about this character, this human being? You know, like what I, that's missing you know i i agree i think it's all very surface right so like gene carlo esposito plays moff gideon and i defy you mike because i'm gonna throw it to you to tell me <laughs> how moff gideon differs from gus fring from breaking bad like Ooh. is there a discernible difference or did they hire uh gene carlo esposito and just say like okay just do you you know like <laughs> are these guest stars like really adding anything yeah i mean uh, i'll tell you how he's different he's space gus and that okay, is true, fine true. with me that is totally fine but i think you guys have and we uh, don't know that he owns any chicken restaurants that's true <laughs> but he's got you know some kind of weird uh, space animal that he definitely deep fries um <laughs> I, I, listening to all this I'm i'm thinking a lot of you have expectation problems you're you're throwing all these expectations of what it should be versus uh, what it actually is. And I think a lot of your problems derive from the expectations of what you think it, it ultimately should be about or that it should have, you know, uh, this character doing this or it should move faster or should move this. Really, you just got to judge it on your own terms. I was very, uh, to be completely honest, the first few episodes I watched, I was very confused by the the, the pace of it, the uh the overall kind of lack of of lead character you know kind of a, a a dynamic performance basically but after i went back and and kind of rewatched all the episodes prior to this i'm i'm really on board with what they're doing i think it's it, it is absolutely not meant to be this like all out skywalker action story where the plot is constantly moving forward and characters are constantly like you know at their wits end but 
I don't, I just, I think it's, it's for what it is, which is like this kind of way to have all these little side adventures within the Star Wars universe. Uh, that's fine with me. I don't care, honestly, if it hasn't been in a live action film, I don't really care. <laughs> the cartoons are are fine with me. I I can never really get the nostalgia out of them that I have for you know the live action stuff that even some of the the sequels had their moments for. Um, and prequel trilogy, I mean they they have a lot of things that are wrong with them, but they still have that Star Warsy nostalgia to them at times. And I, I just don't get that out of the cartoons. I know there's a lot of good, you know, characters and, and stuff that, that come from them. And, and the ones that have shown up in the, the, the stories have been fine by me, but I, I'm not like chomping at the bit to see certain details from, you know, uh, their backstories played out on live action. So I, I I'm just enjoying I the pair. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder, so you mentioned that this isn't a show with a a plot that's aiming to move forward at a decent pace, which I think is ludicrous, but <laughs> um, I think every show should aim to have a story that moves along at a decent pace. But if, if we if we follow what you were saying, and this is a show that's going to show different sides of Star Wars, why is it called The Mandalorian? Why not just Lucasfilm make a series of short the... films? No, but I'm, 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 I'm serious here. Like – why not have a, a short film about Bo-Katan and her quest for the Darksaber? Why not have a short film about Cara Dune on Navarro trying to clean up the streets? Right, Why right. not have and a short film about Timothy Oliphant? Seeing is just like cool things that you haven't seen before. Then just do an anthology thing with just like focusing on one character and like doing that. You're You're saying, why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? But you're not judging the show by itself. Well, we are because it, we're yeah, saying that there's, there's no story. That's the problem. If you if you give us a story like like what we said at the beginning, where the first episode presents this clear story. This is a sure. bounty hunter living by his his rules. He breaks his rules because of this kid. He's on the run from uh you know Werner Herzog. It, it, like <laughs> that's a story, right? So, but it immediately detours and turns into something else, and it, it's almost like a, a a sleight of hand thing. Like we were looking over here, but really we should have been looking over here because what we thought was a Mandalorian show is actually a you know a Lucasfilm machine that's going to pump out potential uh, toys and spinoffs and fifty dollar cookies from William Sonoma and, <laughs> and all these things that's actually happening, and and that's hey, a bummer. I, I almost bought those today. I oh, don't know, no, Brian. Please don't. don't spend fifty dollars on the cookies. I spent six dollars on the new mutants last week. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> your your buying habits are suspect. I will admit, yes. So I I guess what I was getting at there is I, if we're just going to talk about the fact that this isn't an anthology show, uh, and that's why we don't like it, versus this is you know we take it on its own merits, whatever. You know that's us kind of doing a Mandalorian spinning our wheels. So I want to. <laughs> to, tra to change this up and, and really talk about like this season in particular because i think season two had a lot of promise even if you didn't like season one it ended with that dark saber reveal it ended with moff gideon and i think that maybe episode four of this like halfway through a second season we're getting a tease of what this story is going to be so rodrigo since you know you you are more familiar with the the cartoons and everything 
do you think that this is going to change its ways or are we in for another four episodes of spinning its wheels? And do you think Moff Gideon's actually going to to be a big bad? Like, where where is this going this season? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have uh, how many? There's are we four episodes in and four, uh, four left? Yeah. So yeah. that probably means two more filler of guest stars and then two more where things matter. I think you're absolutely right. And and you um, for the listeners, I, I do want to confirm Dave Filoni is writing and directing episode five, which leads us all to believe that it's going to be the Ahsoka Tona, uh, Tano episode. Um, but that being said, I was talking with Mike about this earlier. The whole season so far is building to him bringing the child uh, to the Jedi. That would be bringing him to the Jedi. So, you know, where's right. this going? Uh, Brian, uh, I mean, it, it's really, really hard to say. You are right that I mean, we can see little touches of maybe getting back to that core story, but it's with with everything that we've seen up to this point. I I don't know. Um, where is it going? I I I can't. I I can't say. I really can't. I I will say that you know, as cool as it might be to see these little teases like the dark, the dark saber, you know, seeing little um, like cameos here and there, seeing maybe a rather important character at the end of the first episode of the second season at the very end. uh, (laughs) Pretty neat, but the show just can't be all about that. It can't be all about, you know, little pseudo fan servicey type stuff. And, you know, for that reason, if that's what we can expect, uh, for the rest of the season, then as as cool as it might be, and as much as I might geek out for a second or two, it, that's going to wear off rather quick, and I'm going to want more. So, I yeah, at this point, I just I just want something different. Either you know, getting back to the core and staying there uh, for at least a little while, or I don't know, just something different. I don't know, and I'm not saying that the show needs to be completely different it doesn't need to suddenly turn into a you know a show all about the force and stuff like that I, and i will say that that episode where he's talking to the x-wing pilots and they say you know may the force be with you i like i that was another one of those reminders oh yeah this is a star wars show okay is so, that a good thing or a bad thing for you though i it was just it was just unusual, I guess, because I was getting very used to it not being like that. Uh, so that's why seeing like the the dark saber was kind of interesting. That's why like I enjoyed Rogue One so much because it it shed a lot of those overall uh, that overall mythology and and stuff. So yeah, I don't know where is it going. I I just I can't answer that right now, obviously because I don't know, but also because. <laughs> It could go in so many different directions, and I feel, in a way, it's almost, almost walking on eggshells around people like, like us, at least the three of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> and but you know, I I definitely feel like it is kind of doing that with you know people who do have, like you said, Mike, those expectations, and one false move, and you know, it, it could be it could be some very very dark times for the Mandalorian. I don't know why it's called the Mandalorian now that you've you've mentioned that. I don't I don't know. I was thinking about that and I maybe that's something we'll find out at the very end. I don't know. <laughs> he was never a Mandalorian all along. Um, Ooh. 
yeah. no, that's not my official prediction, by the way. Mike, we, uh, do you do you think we're back on track to a, a an A plot, or are we we gonna meander a bit more? I mean, obviously, this next one is gonna be a, the Ahsoka Tano intro episode, so. Uh, I'm not uh, entirely sure what it's going to be. Uh, I know Baby Yoda's not going anywhere. It's not like he's going to drop Baby Yoda and and just kind of go on Mando adventures on his own. I think the two are kind of inseparable from the show at this point. So whatever it is, whether you, you can't know, end here, even though this is supposed to so supposedly be the end point, right? Exactly. So I mean, obviously, there's there's something that's going to drive uh, the the two to stay together and continue on to wherever it is. But wait, 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 wait. You want to tell me that there's going to be a Mandalorian episode where he goes and meets somebody new, thinks he's found a place for baby Yoda, <laughs> finds out it's not all cracked up to what it's supposed to be. He then has to have an adventure, grab the kid and leave. Yeah. That's if they crazy. Talk. Shot chapter 13 at this point, I'd say you should go pitch that. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but pretty sure that's what we're gonna see but and i'm okay with that i mean i don't really mind the the winding kind of plot i definitely agree where it has some shortcomings uh that you're pointing out here but i'm enjoying it i'm not it hasn't worn off me so you know keep going as far as i'm concerned keep doing these long winding like like offshoots get to the 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 b plot towards the end of the season like you did last time in the last two episodes i don't care that's fine you are not like we're not gonna have five it's not like we're not gonna have like six seasons eventually of, of this to go through at at uh at a time see i i to to get into my thoughts on where this is all going and and I, I sadly, I think we all know where it is going. Like Rodrigo succinctly said, two episodes of filler, two episodes yeah. of matter. But yeah. I, what I really hope is that this is actually like the sneaky end of the Mandalorian and the, the series ends <laughs> at the end of this season. I'm not even joking oh. with him finding a place for baby Yoda and sacrificing himself uh, like physically dying so that he can protect baby Yoda. And then what seasons three and on are is the Boba Fett show that baby, they've been talking baby, about. No. Or... Baby Yoda puts on the helmet and then he is the Mandalorian. I just sold it guys. I just, oh, just geez. Sold and it. you know That's what? That's say? <laughs> Legitimately that got me a little excited. What of you course. just said. Lord. <laughs> you just want to see his floppy ears outside of a helmet. That would be really oh, it's so cute. That's the cutest thing ever. Like, what were you saying, Rodrigo? Well, I was just gonna say, like, I mean, that would be awesome. I don't, I don't, I don't. Uh, I, actually, I, I think I even have predicted that to someone. I did. I think uh, I and I gave that exact prediction to Peter from Slashfilm. I think uh, as a possibility, <laughs> like, what if? I, I don't know. I am too cynical to think that they'll that they'll do that. But like, it like it would show that something sort of was at stake, right? Like, like what's at stake right now? Like, what are the stakes in the show? Like nothing. Sure. Yeah. Well, Baby Yoda could eat something bad. <laughs> yeah, it'll finally eat poison. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're all out of our Baby Yoda miseries. I, I, I think that's a, a good prediction in that you would really surprise audiences. And then you could think of it as a an anthology show in a way in that it's about different Mandalorians. So, you know, the next you could you could uh, off him and. And him doing a great sacrifice would tie in perfectly to the actual thing that they've set up, and it would actually have an amazing payoff. I would love to see it for that, for that kind of story. 
uh, and then you could potentially do that where you set up and it's like season three is is actually about Boba Fett's story, and then you and then you uh, each season then you then you could do uh, you know um, Bo Katan uh, Bo Katan in 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 four, and it would be about different Mandalorian people, right? But I'm on board for oh. that too. So, but, so the thing about yep, Bo-Katan I, I really liked is that whole episode, I think, gave us so much more information about Mando, our Mando, than we've gotten in, what, 12 other or 11 other episodes? Her talking about the religious cult and he's a zealot and, you know, he may have been true. taught the wrong thing. I want to see and, and how she's going to try to take the throne with the Darksaber, like all of those things. That's a show I'll watch. And so and, and we were teased with the Boba Fett thing in the first episode of season two. So I think we're, you're on to something love to see like i said boba fett season three you know let's catch up to where he is because guess what he's not coming back this season guys i hate to break it to you this is a one and done sort of situation that was a tease and i bad bad boba fett's not coming back this this season is that what you're saying yeah yeah how does he so disappointing service for something else um which is like i don't need that wink you know like i I don't as much as i love these sort of things i don't don't you know, patronize me with weak shit. Like I, I love these things. So I, I, I kind of demand like real, uh, uh, storytelling from me. I want some substance. Um, where was I going to go with that? But you know what, here's, here's what the thing. I, I think that's a great idea. Like that, that you sort of posited and I sort of went off on it a little bit and you could, you could do this kind of almost kind of game of Thrones, which he sort of teased as well of John Favreau, um, about, you know, doing this and this, but I, here's why I don't think that they're going to do it. And and I I think I've had this conversation with you, Charles. Is that it's just like Star Wars doesn't take any risks ever. That's and, and, true. And so I was just gonna ask that. When have they ever taken a risk? Right. They just never take risks, and that's why <laughs> at the end of the last Spider-Man movie in Mar, like they were like you know they Spider-Man's identity got like revealed to the world in this kind of shocking like holy shit they've never done that before. That's a huge thing. That's a really big risk to take with your characters. I feel like Marvel does those kinds of things all the time. Like there's a lot they, you know, they killed off Iron Man. They do, they, they do take risks. I know these things are small, but I think that's why they've kept audiences on their toes too. You know, and people are, are constantly um, engaged by those things. And I'm not saying Marvel's the, the the be all end all, but it's sort of like for franchises. And you know, we're on a big franchise level here. I think you know they're at the top of the game for a reason, right? They keep people on their to- toes. They do some surprises. They do some unexpected things. And Star Wars just does that at all so that uh, for that reason and they never take a risk I, I i don't see it i mean it would be amazing but this show yeah. already feels too safe too predictable none of the writing feels dangerous or shaky or 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 or, 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 or risky at all so yeah. I, has I, star I wars ever think... felt dangerous though not dangerous i just meant like risky like you know like just yeah. some sort of like something that like I mean, hey, it's becoming we're talking so the franchise that has Luke, I'm your father. Like that yeah, is a huge I mean, that's moment. the biggest twist, you know, yeah. in, you know, history. But outside of that moment, that Han Solo quote unquote dying at the end of a movie. <laughs> God damn it. Fine. I don't know about that one. But anyhow, uh, uh, like I, I, you know, I, no, I'm talking about the end of uh, of uh, Empire, right? Like Solo. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't get me started like, on solo just because just because it hasn't traditionally taken some risks doesn't mean that it shouldn't and just because it's been oh, i agree and and just because it's been maybe safe and and i mean the first trilogy really, I, I don't know i don't want to get into like what's good and what's bad about star wars because we'll be here forever but like you know the uh 
like you know i think to to survive you gotta you gotta you do have to take risks in storytelling in general to keep audiences on their toes you can't just you can't just explore a different planet or a different world that you have that you've never quote unquote seen before but when you really get down to it it's like is this all the stuff that we've seen is this really really all that different than like the back door of the Tatooine, uh, uh, most Eisley, like, like you could call these, you, you could call that one planet they're always on, like most Eisley, and like, you know, this is it's just the the gangster world or whatever. It's not that it's not, it's everyone keeps saying it's all so different. It's like not really. It's just like instead of like you know leaving uh, uh, t- a Tatooine and most Eisley on on uh, uh, a New Hope, it's like you stay there and then you hang out with some of those shady characters. It's like I'm not I'm not impressed by. Uh, how how supposedly different that's supposed to be you know maybe for a few episodes but then after that it's like okay i, I know what you're doing here so i don't know i'd like to see some sort of like shake up i i agree I, obviously I'd love to see it too but i don't think that's coming no no yeah. and and i i think that's a good transition to to my last little question i want to pause it to you guys which is this is the first disney plus lucasfilm series right so this is kind of setting the stage for for star wars on tv and and we're live action star wars on tv i should say and i think it's it's obviously a hit nominated for a bunch of emmys they're throwing 100 million per season at this like it, it's a big deal so the other shows that they've announced are obi-wan which again can't expect many risks there. Cassie and Andor, okay, probably we've we've literally seen that character before. Probably not in a lot of risks there. And then uh, Leslie Headland has a show which we don't know anything about, which she swears is different and and something we haven't explored. So now that we've been through twelve episodes of Mandalorian, are you guys excited for those shows? I'll, I'll throw it to Mike. Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess I'm I'm the the one who's in the bag for all this, but. I think it bodes well for the future of Star Wars TV in that there's so much to mine in terms of settings and types of stories that you can tell within the Star Wars universe. I mean, they've done uh, the Magnificent Seven. They've done a little Kurosawa. They've done Sergio Leone, you know, a little Mad Max, Indiana Jones. Like like I was saying, I mean, to me, that's all fine. But ultimately, I want them to all have their uh, unique identity. I don't want it to be like, okay, here's... Mandalorian, but with different characters or uh, whatever it might be. So I, I want them all to have their uh, I, I want the Mandalorian to be the only one that is like the Mandalorian. I, I want the other shows to have a different pace, different kind of character uh, structure and, you know, anything. I just want them to be within the Star Wars universe. So I don't have much in the way of expectations. I don't need uh, and I have varying levels of interest for all those shows you just listed yes i'll watch them but i uh, i'm i'm just along for the ride i'll check them out why not so obi-wan in a multi-cam sitcom (laughs) that is what i'm talking about that's what i thought as long as it's you know staying true uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) brian are you excited for this slate of tv shows yeah i mean i yeah no i i'm just I can't really disagree with anything that Mike has said. Um, I need to get him a T-shirt. Today. Yeah, I know. I, I just you, agree way you know, too much. No, I'm thinking back over the shows. You <laughs> yeah. No, I, I want that, too. I, I want what, what Mike says. Well, I want each show to have its its own unique feel. I want it. I mean, I want. I, I would but like do you believe that Lucasfilm has it in them to give different. you a unique show? I just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. 
I will say, I'm, I mean, it, definitely there's a decrescendo in terms of like, I'm more excited for the Obi-Wan show than, you know, than the Cassian Endor show. And, you know, it, it just diminishes from there. That said, yeah, I'm still in the bag for all this. I will still happily watch all these shows. At the very least, I'll give them all a decent shot. I, I would love to see things get so off the wall bananas. I think there is a real potential for that. And I think the best storytellers um, and showrunners have that ability to be very chameleon-like and adapt in that sense. I mean, I, I just, I would love to see a show that's like in a very like, I don't know, cyberpunk type vein or a steampunk type vein or something. <laughs> I don't even know. Like I, there's, Renaissance there's, fair there's so is many that different about angles. That, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I, I would just get crazy, but you know, like, like you said, uh, the, the powers that be, I mean, are, are they going to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, like that's, I think what they're, they're after right now. The vast majority of people absolutely love what this show is selling them. And no, I don't think that they're going to go crazy anytime soon. And I wish they would. I really do. Cause at that point I'd be even more Jones, but it, yeah, right now I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'll keep watching these things till, you know, till my last breath. But, but yeah, <laughs> that's I think really that's all the I can thing. say they right know now. They have us no matter yeah. what they have us. Uh, what the future, what the future has in store. That's not a Star Wars quote, but it felt like it should be one. <laughs> With John Williams score behind you. Uh, yes. R- Rodrigo, yes. John Favreau has proven, I think to me and you at least, and then maybe a little bit, Brian, that a good yeah. filmmaker doesn't automatically mean good TV. So uh, I know Obi-Wan has Deborah Chow, Cassie Nandor. I don't know who the showrunner is this week, but uh, Leslie <laughs> Headland is on. Uh, she's coming from Russian Doll, which is a, a pretty shocking show to then go to Star Wars. And she seems actually uh, pretty nerdy about it. So with with those people behind these shows, are, are, has Mandalorian soured you on any of them? Are you still jazzed? What are your thoughts? Well, in terms of when they think, you know, that they have us and they can do no wrong, I think that's true to an extent, and it's also not. Because remember, they came off their most biggest bomb before this. They pivoted television because they failed, and they fell on their face flat with Solo. And Solo was a huge bomb. Like, I mean, if if you've done, if you ever, I mean, box office mojo doesn't really exist anymore, but if you ever wanted to do a fun kind of like deep dive into like how other films did and compare it to that and and, and what, you know, Solo did, it, it's... Man, it, it was a real fucking sting and it was a real, you know, come to Jesus moment for this company. Um, and then they took everything that they were planning on doing in movies and they pivoted to television. Right. And it happened so that Disney Plus was becoming a thing. So it was a pretty perfect timing. But, you know, it there was no Disney Plus and it wouldn't have been ready and they'd have to do these things in movies. We'd be in a very much different situation right now. And I think people forget that solo situation happened. So, you know, they pivoted to TV and now this thing's a big hit and people love it and stuff. And so I just wanted to throw that out there. But in terms of, uh, yeah, I'm going to watch those shows. I'm going to be excited for them. I mean, the one I'm probably excited for the most is Cassian Andor because um, Tony Gilroy is is uh, back and he's sort of uh, he is the show showrunner. Um, he's also working with uh, like two of his close pals who are terrific fucking writers in um it's him writing the show with uh, uh, Bo Willimon, who uh, was the showrunner House of Cards. House of Cards. He also did Ides of March, and and he did a bunch of like acclaimed plays. And he is a very good writer. And uh, also his brother uh, Dan Gilroy, who did Nightcrawler. Um, so yeah. those are the, those are the three writers on the show. I'm assuming it's going to uh, you know do a lot of the sort of 
you know, kind of the, you know, I guess it's, we don't even know if the show's necessarily like, it's not necessarily just a Cassian Andor show because we know it is fade and all that stuff. But it's like, I think it's like, you know, more about, you know, I think it's going to be more Rogue One-ish, which I really like Rogue One, but Rogue One giving it a full shot and a full chance because Tony Gilroy had to like clean up that movie and didn't, didn't generate it from scratch. So it's going to be kind of like about, you know, the period of, I think it's going to be like a life during wartime show, like, uh, you know, about the desperation of war and losing friends and losing allies and how tough war can be, you know, and grind that out for like two or three seasons. And then, you know, the end or whatever, like, and then it'll catch up to where, to where rogue one was, but it'll be a more serious adult kind of drama and about the cost of war and things. Cause those are the things that he wanted that he, you know, he's an adult and, and he's, that's the kind of stuff that he had already applied to wrote to rogue one. And, and that's what that show is going to be about. And I, I'm totally on board for that. That'll make me very, very happy. Um, the other ones, I mean, I think Obi-Wan could be awesome, but I don't think they'll let it be awesome because to me, that's a, a it's a, a lost in the wilderness story. It's a it's almost an existential story. It's about a guy who really like what does he do? He sits on a planet for 18 years and does fucking nothing. It's about his commitment, right? It's about like I am going to do nothing with my life and I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch this boy and I'm going to make sure that nothing happens to him because you know one day he's the fucking key to you know getting over this fucking uh it's it's like it's a it, it would be as a donald trump you know one and then like you know it's decided i'm going to do three terms four terms five terms it's a total dictatorship in a dark dark fucking period of time right it's really horrible but he knows that you know if he if he holds it out maybe this prophecy is is going to hold true and and, and luke who, who could turn into something so it's really about that commitment thing but you know they're they're gonna jazz it up with like something like you know obviously something's gonna have to happen. I was about to say this is this is Lucasfilm, so it's gonna be well. You thought he was on this planet doing nothing this whole time, and yeah. you know, uh, God, God, like I will be like I will be <laughs> physically angry if he leaves. Like I will be like if he goes on an adventure <laughs> somewhere else, I'll be real like and be like, oh, Luke will be fine. I will I'll be I'll be furious like that like because it, it, it just ruins the myth of this man who is a monk. Right. And who spent 18 years on a planet doing fucking nothing for the most part. Right. And sure, like, you know, there's going to be some conflict here because there needs to be conflict. But wouldn't it be great if they really dug into the story of this guy who, like, everything he's ever done his entire life is lost. And his he's he's coming off the greatest loss, which is is his his pad one. Right. His his. His like his younger brother essentially. He's like, you were a brother to me, you know. Like that's like the one of the most painful moments in in that terrible prequel. But like you know, this is like, it, and so he he's just coming off of this gigantic failure. Everything's and so there's so much ex- existential weight there. I don't know if they're gonna do anything with that. To me, that's fucking super rich shit. Like I'm like, here's my thing. I think I could write a better Obi Wan show than they can, and that's sad. <laughs> I should be able. To, I I should no way be able to write a better Obi Wan show, but I think I probably could. And that's disappointing to me. Um, I like, like all these shows that you're describing, but I don't think any of these expectations are realistic. Just no. because Star Wars, but, but yeah, family, <laughs> sure, it's Star Wars. But I don't. It just because it's like, I don't know. It's not. It's it's. But then again, it's not really an expectation. It's just like I'm looking at. I'm looking at character first, right? It's like yeah, look at what this no, character is coming it. off of, I and what kind of story they could tell, right? And then you have a conflict and without spoiling it they they have set up they did set up this one great thing that could have been like the ultimate conflict coming down to get luke right but they blew it and they used it on um star wars rebels um see and, i don't even know about it 
Right. Yeah, you're speaking but Greek. I'm going to tell you because I think you, <laughs> you should. You should at least. Uh, it's worth watching. It's really good, actually. But it's a. It's the perfect live action story. It's like, oh my god, this would be, and this would please fans, and and it would actually be good too. Uh, but so, but they blew it and they wasted it. So now they have to tell a different story of, I mean, like, what else can it possibly be? I mean, well, there's two things it can be. It can either be people, so, something threatens uh, young Luke Skywalker and, and Obi-Wan has to leave the, the, the hut or whatever, right? Because he's a monk, he's doing nothing, he's meditating. He's, he shouldn't be doing anything, right? He's just like, he's, he's, he's there to do nothing, essentially. Just watch over this boy. Um, that's the task he's been given by Yoda. And and so it's, it's either like some kind of conflict comes and and take takes him out, which it'll be about, or it's you know he actually went and had other adventures and he left the planet, which would to me it's like I, then that's the borderline when I'm actually almost shutting it off. I'm like that's a, <laughs> that to me is a fundamental betrayal of the character and the myth of what he did, and it really it, it that would really piss me off. Okay, so, you're so... if he exits the hut with a Hawaiian shirt on. <laughs> and he's heading on vacation, you're out. Yeah, if he goes to, like, oh, I'm just going to go to, you know, <laughs> fucking Dantooine or whatever, because yeah. I've some distress signal that I've somehow gotten a hold of, you know? Like, no, it should be a small scale, stuck on Tatooine, I'm doing nothing in my, and and there's a sort of existential terribleness to that as well, right? Like, it's like coming off this complete failure and living with it. And then something has to, like, you know, motivate him to and and how and, and uh, what could else could it be about a sort of some sort of threat or conflict that could you know possibly touch upon a young luke skywalker see you're missing this though i've I've already written the opening scene and and the moment when rodrigo is <laughs> going to turn off his tv which is obi-wan sitting in his hut after 10 years or whatever and then he gets a message on a droid and it says from some character we've never heard before saying obi-wan you're my only hope <laughs> and he has to get on a starship and fly to wherever. And then that's when Rodrigo turns off the TV. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen. I mean, it's... look, like, it's not like, a, like I, I, it might oh. sound to, to maybe to Mike that this is what I'm like, <laughs> expecting, but I just not sort of all. Like, just just go honor the character. You know, that's all I'm kind of saying. I, I think that's the, the to, to kind of tie this all up. I think that's exactly what. Our issue is with Mandalorian, and I think uh, there are probably what 10% of the viewers, if I'm being generous, are are have issues with it and want to talk constructively about it. And then there's probably 90% of viewers that are just like Baby Yoda, man, or <laughs> or <laughs> like adorable. Did you see Bo-Katan? Did you see Bo-Katan? Or you know, oh, Ahsoka is coming out. You know, like. That's that's just enough to tease people along to sell books and toys and T-shirts that I think expecting anything more from Lucasfilm at this point is uh, just setting you up for failure. Yeah, probably. And, and you know, I think, you know, even if they're on Disney True. Plus, at some point that's going to come back to hurt them. You know, at some point there's going to be a metric of like, you know, there's no box office failure. But if 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 they can't engage people in a way, then then they just can't just keep doing what you're saying and, and hoping that's going to please people and be enough. Yeah. So uh, just to wrap this up, I want to uh, to go to each of you now that we've thoroughly deconstructed Lucasfilm and, and The Mandalorian. Mike, I think I know the answer to this, but are you going to keep watching rest of season two and beyond? Of course. Of course. Yes, I'm in. Right. But right. I mean, I <laughs> I think you guys are really setting yourselves up for, for some real disappointment with all these future shows coming up. Just because th this is not what 
what they're gonna you know they're not gonna take a risk with star wars and as long especially while they're winning you know but are they people are gobbling this stuff up and i would love to see some of these adult prestige dramas that you're describing but it's not it's not (laughs) gonna happen (laughs) i would love to see them but i i really don't expect that the thing is i'm not even asking for an adult drama it's just like just take it slightly more seriously you know Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Brian, <laughs> Brian, are you uh, in the bag for the rest of season two and moving on with Star Wars? <laughs> He's quit. Yeah, <laughs> we've broken He's Brian. Done. We broke Brian. <laughs> no. Let's oh, talk no. about your Dumb and Dumber uh, VHS. <laughs> uh, we could or no, the novelization because yes. I do have uh, that. Yes, um, anyway, are you are you going to keep uh, watching? Are you? Yeah, no, I'll I'll definitely keep watching because, uh, again, I'll say that I'm the the points of the show that are um, that are good are frequently great, and I I still am in, entertained. I'm still having fun. Yeah, you know, Mike, I do have those expectations, and there are things I wish would happen, things I wish would be better, but um, at the end of the day, I'm I'm still enjoying it. I'll take, you know, and I, I, I've even said this about just other movies that we've seen recently that I'll, you know, the worst episodes of the Mandalorian are still so much better than so much other television out there that, yeah, that I think just trumps everything. I'm having a good time. It's enough to keep me going to the next episode. There's always at least one thing I can take away from each episode, even the worst ones that resonates with me in some way whether it's some guest character that's great or the child doing something that's that's entertaining um there's always going to be something (laughs) always something even if it's just some really cool shot i mean the visual effects in the show even not just for television standards for just overall i think are wonderful yeah, um, that's a discussion a, for another time, though, because we could go. Yeah. I mean, the technology is pretty incredible, but yeah. Can we really also is. shout out the the Mandalorian theme? Uh, oh I, yeah, oh, Ludwig the music Lawrence is great. Yeah, he does a fantastic job. So, Rodrigo, the question we all want to know: Have you abandoned the Mandalorian, or are you going to suffer through four more episodes and hope beyond all reasonable expectation that's going to get good? I mean. You know, obviously, I'm going to watch it. Um, I'm, I can also say, you know, like I, I probably come off as a camaraderie because I get pretty passionate about these things. But like, I think Baby Yoda is delightful and and so mm-hmm. enjoyable, and I love Baby Yoda, and I actually love the Peyton Reed episode. It's my favorite. It's like, like <laughs> it was cute. It was funny. There's a lot of silly things with Baby Yoda. It was great. But then I just need more. Like, you can do all that stuff. That stuff's great. Cool. Do that shit. Entertain me, too. I want to be entertained. And I am entertained by the show. But I also need both, you know? And I feel like that's what the best of Star Wars did. It gave me, a like, it was like a, a, a great, like any great movie that gave me a little bit of everything, you know? Like, gave me, like, some heart and soul and some story and some plot and 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 had the cool visuals and all that stuff. Yes, I, I love all that stuff. But I, I need more. So... Uh, I guess back to the central question is that I'm not really expecting very much of the show anymore, probably going on into season two and beyond. I'm, I'm, I don't have, my expectations are very low and, but I'll just continue to watch it and and probably enjoy what I can out of it. And that's it. And, you know, hope that, uh, I hope that, uh, one of these shows eventually along the lines will be for me. I'll probably watch all of them and I, there's a good chance that I'm not going to like some of them and that's okay. You know, I just, um, 
I think that they really need to break things up, though, and just like everyone was talking about trying to like show something really different and doing different, like, you know, having different tones and different shows, they really need to lean into that. Because again, to me, this uh, first was different and, but it's kind of just most nicely the flavor of that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what they could do? Just hire oh Kevin Feige. He'll <laughs> fix it all. Right. He's got Don't, enough on his plate, man. I know, I know. Don't be surprised when that happens. I man. know. I know. Rodrigo is, is for those listening at home, Rodrigo is a big believer that Kevin Feige will be the next guy leading Star Wars. He does love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. He, he does. does. And he's also developing one, remember? Oh, yeah. I mean, who isn't, though, right? Like, are we ever going to see the Taika Waititi movie? Taika Waititi know. is developing one. Uh, Fe- Kevin Feige's developing one. Uh, the the, the guy of- from Slight? Not, right? Who? I'm sorry? The Game of Thrones guys are not anymore. No, no. They got kicked off um, curve. Ryan Johnson is supposed to be, but I'm pretty sure that's dead. Oh, very dead. And uh, was there another one? The guy from Slate, J.D. Uh, yeah. Shoot, J. I forgot J. his last Dillard. name. Sorry. J.D. Dillard, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. But his is supposed to go straight to Disney+. Plus. Is it? That's <laughs> what they say. Really? But who knows? That's the, the moral of the story is we don't know anything about this. Right. So there's actually a lot of stuff in the works, and hopefully it gets – you know, as distinct and different and tries to do. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I'm rooting for it. I really am. Um, I do love these things at heart, but um, I don't have, I don't have a lot of faith for this show. You know, I think it's uh, kind of is what it's it run is. It's its course. Huh? Yeah. yeah I, it's kind of going to do this. And then, you know, the season three is going to be more, a little bit of that, and the, but it'll world build a little bit more with the, you know, of this sort of greater Mandalorian thing that they're doing. Um, but it's still probably, I mean, they're not at this point, you ain't, you ain't getting rid of baby Yoda. No, you're not, no. you're not high end handing him off. Um, and in any time soon. And uh, the good thing is he doesn't age out like most child actors. <laughs> 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 they're not going to have to replace him or go through the awkward teen phase. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I would love, if, if Charles is posit that, you know, he, he dies in the end and then becomes something else, that would be really cool, but seems doubtful. Yeah. Oh my God. What are the odds that we see teen Yoda, the series after this is all done? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> they did that with a uh, teen Groot or whatever. They're not going to. Yeah. Only I mean, well, then like again, saved by the bell, Groot. but in a gas yes. far away. Okay. With... All right. Now we've gone off the rails as we normally do. <laughs> Great idea. So on that note, uh, we'll just wrap it up and say thanks for listening. And and thank you, Rodrigo, for joining us. Uh, Clearly, you are passionate about that. And that's why we uh, wanted you on here. Uh, Yes. I hope I didn't annoy anybody. I just. Not uh, at all. I wanted to. But, you know, we'll see. No, it's great. Well, you, there may be some uh, some people who who fundamentally disagree with you, but. uh, That's good. I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and as always, thank you, Mike Bryan, for joining me and talking yeah. Star Wars. Absolutely. Because I'm saved by the force. Could that work as a theme song? Could that work? Yes. No. I can't stop thinking about it. Okay. Well, you can write that in your notebook of terrible ideas. Um, little Yachty, you can do it. I think you did the Saved by the Bell theme song. Jeez. Yes. Okay. Thank <laughs> you, everybody, for listening. Have a good one. We'll uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Uh,